Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Good morning, Agent Power Huddle. My name is Brett Conley and I am your host today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about listings and see if we can't get you in the right mindset to start attracting listings and going after prospecting listings and really uh, advancing your business in this low inventory market. Um, the good news is pretty much everything's selling and the, the homes and condos and land that's not selling right now um, is an opportunity for you to start getting in position in order to go ahead and list those and get them sold. So some of this talk is going to be old school prospecting. And some of this talk is going to be some of the methods that we're using to generate new leads into our system and do the follow-up in, in, in order to acquire the listings. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, I just spoke a little bit about expired listings. So let's talk about that topic right now. The Homes and condos and land that's sitting on the market today, and they're not selling within a certain amount of time frame, and they do expire, those are free game. Now, we're using a couple of different strategies. We are calling the listing agent, the former listing agent, to try to get the referral business. Um, that's one thing that you can do. That's happening in the luxury markets because they have the relationship. It's a lot harder to gather those listings um, unless you have some type of in. So I would suggest if you're in a luxury market and you can't figure out how to get through the door via mail, via door knocking, via um, phone calls, um, then talk to that former listing agent and try to work out a referral fee or split commissions with them. And um, that might get you that listing on, on a luxury side. Um, the other the thing on the expired listings, of course, there's scripts out there. Everybody's using scripts, um, old Mike Ferry scripts, Tom Ferry scripts. Um, you've got different club wealth scripts. Everybody's got some type of script for an expired listings. Um, and I've always had success with the Mike Ferry script um, that really just internalized it. And it came out um, with my own words, my own personality. And that was highly, highly successful for me. Other people like the Kevin Ward script. So um, I would suggest looking at a whole bunch of different scripts, figure out what you're wanting to say and start um, going after some of those expired listings. Because if they didn't sell in this market, they're overpriced, plain and simple. And they're probably highly, highly overpriced. Um, or the position of the marketing photos and the positioning of that listing isn't isn't correct. And so some people are putting different school schools in there. And so um, where, where it's searchable, it's not coming up. And those are advantages for somebody that's trying to go after those listings. Now, there are opportunities. A friend of mine just had this happen in Las Vegas. Um, he shared this on social media yesterday that there are opportunities where properties are underpriced so low that people aren't paying attention to them. And because the market has is gone up so fast in the last 90 days, 60 days, 
that that property is still sitting lower and people aren't pulling it up. So a friend of mine bought a property in Las Vegas for 1.8. He did nothing to it. And he put it back up on the market for 2.6 and closed escrow within 90 days. Okay, that's inflation, inflation nation, right? And so that right there shows you what kind of opportunities in the marketplace. So mistakes are being made by real estate agents out there. And if you were that real estate agent that had that listing at 1.8 and somebody bought it in 90 days later, was able to close escrow at 2.6 and they did nothing to it. They didn't, they didn't change carpet. They didn't paint it. Nothing. They presented it in a different manner. Okay. What, what kind of real estate agent is that, right? Somebody that's really not paying attention. And that will, you know, ultimately bring a lawsuit to that company and that real estate agent, I would imagine. That's a lot of money. Um, so there are opportunities in the MLS that uh, <clears throat> will expire or active listings um, that you can purchase to create your own inventory. Now I've done this for the last few years. I have created my own inventory buying properties from wholesalers, buying properties on the MLS through other agents that I know. And of course I was doing some fix and flips, um, wholetailing. And um, I think that is an opportunity for a lot of agents out there that have the money to do so. It's gonna create some of your own inventory that can generate sign calls and get leads that way. Um, another, uh, way that we're getting listings is through, I don't know, a property management company and, um, through the property management company. So, um, if you don't have one of yourself, you're not doing property management yourself, a way to, um, gain those listings is to start prospecting property managers. Okay. A lot of property managers do not sell real estate. And so when they don't sell real estate, that's an opportunity for you to build that relationship. Go take them to lunch. They're willing to go to lunch with you, okay? Because they want your business. So it's back to some of this old school networking and thinking outside the box from what you're accustomed to and start building those relationships with property managers and figure out what their niche is. Because there's a lot of property managers out there that have a niche, you know, maybe their niche is vacation rentals. Well, in... Scottsdale, Arizona, one of the markets I work, um, there's a ton of vacation rentals. And I think the, the market is actually becoming saturated for vacation rentals. And over the next probably years, my guess, those, those people that aren't hitting their target dollars that they're trying to expect, their ROI is going to be off. And there's going to be opportunity for, for them to list those properties. We've seen it this last year where, um, you know, a couple of them couldn't sell um, or, or couldn't uh, lease out for the dollar amount that they were promised and they went ahead and sold those, those properties. So vacation rentals are another opportunity to start marketing to and talking to the owners if you can about, hey, I think it's a good time to sell your property and let's move that money, 1031 exchange it into something else. So you guys get more deals. Okay. Um, your sphere of influence. Let's talk about this a little bit because I think this is underutilized. Your sphere of influence, um, your past clients, 
it, you know, we've heard this before, but I, I really believe that they're a huge, huge source of the upcoming business. But you're going to need to give them a lot of guidance because there's a lot of confusion out there. They don't know what to do with the dollars when they sell that property. They don't know if they should 1031 exchange it into another property. And if so, where is that going to go? The sphere of influence and past clients, they don't know if they should sell their house right now, even though they know they have to downsize or they, they're growing family and they've got to upsize. Where are they going to go when the news talks about low inventory? So there's probably deals in your database sitting there right now, but they need your guidance in order to convince them that it is the right time to sell. And so we're slowing down that process for some of our sellers. I've got one in um, Phoenix right now that she has to buy, she has to move because the husband, the ex-husband is driving an hour to drop off kids for school and they've got to move closer for their scenario in order to make that happen. Now, price point in this scenario is 450,000. Okay. So with this, this price point, it's really, really difficult. Okay. Not impossible, difficult to find them another house closer to where they want to be with the good schools where they want to be and sell them sell their house at the same time. So that match is very, very important because they don't want to be homeless, right? So going ahead and, and uh, finding the house first, then listing the house is one possible scenario that we're going to have to, to do. Um, and we're on the hunt for that. But that's a deal. That's a listing that's sitting there. And until we find that right match, it can't happen. Now, other variables with that is, of course, interest rates are climbing. So that's going to be interesting to see here how we're going to navigate through that. But that is something that is common. Okay. It is common practice. And the only way we're going to get in touch with all of those people is if we're calling and we're communicating with that sphere of influence. Um, the other thing that I would say is we've got a huge amount over the next 10 years, a huge amount of wealth that's going to be transferred to the next generation. Okay. And that, and, and all of these people, most of them own real estate and the values have climbed. And so with, with that, they need the expert advisor, the real estate agent, the professional real estate agent to help them through that entire process, or they're going to call a financial planner. Okay. And that if you're not in with that financial planner already, then they're going to use that real estate agent through the financial planner. Okay. So it goes back to networking and it goes back to communication with your clientele. I think that's really important to be on point with them and kind of future pace and plan. Hey, you know what? I know the values are high. I've got a CMA for you um, on your property. By the way, do you own any other real estate right now that you're thinking about selling? And having those open conversations are going to put you in a good position. Um, I also wrote down here, um, the rental properties in your own neighborhood that you know are rentals. One, you know, back to old school, you know, talk to those renters. They're, they're not going to want with these rental prices across the country, they've, they've climbed tremendously. And in many markets, it makes more sense to purchase right now than to rent. 
And when that happens, I've got a listing in San Diego coming up. I worked both markets, San Diego and the Phoenix area. I've got a listing coming up in San Diego that's been a rental property for, I don't know, like 10 years. And the tenant's been in there for seven years. That tenant's moving out. Well, they don't want another tenant in there. They don't want the headaches. They don't want the house trash. And because the tenant that they had in there has been really taking care of the property. And so now it's time to sell. We're going to 1031 exchange that property into one to two properties over in Arizona. They're going to move markets. And that comes from dialogue and um, making sure you're being in touch with your past clients and, and center of influence. Okay, so rental rentals will turn into sellers and in this market because the values are so high. And you can also potentially get those buyers in double end uh, those transactions. Um, so here's one of the things that I think is not served or, or just a, an area that many agents do not prospect. They don't go after it. They don't market to this, this uh, segment of the business but vacant land, okay? Vacant land is not that attractive, right? There's, it's not glorious. It's not fun to do a video on vacant land, but it does pay a lot more, right? Some in the old days, not, not necessarily today, but it's possible. In the old days, we used to get 10% selling vacant land. And that was awesome. Five, five points on each, each side. Um, I did take a uh, 9% listing, this is about a year and a half ago, of vacant land, 600 acres in Arizona, that uh, was a 9% or it was a 9% listing. Um, so they're still willing to pay a lot more to move that property. But here's the thing on vacant land. It could be a big ranch. It could be a big parcel of land. Um, the bigger the property, you know, typically they, they take a little bit longer to sell unless it's within the growth of a city, right? Um, if it's on the outskirts, it typically takes a little bit longer to sell. But with the COVID shutdown, everything, people are more willing to move out of the cities in order to have a nice piece of property. So the vacant land within the cities can be matched with small custom home builders, developers, you can help the seller take it through the process and get the, the entitlements done for, for the property. And that piece of land becomes more valuable. But the competition, the competition that um, is, is just not there for, I'm gonna let somebody in here. Oh, someone just did. Um, so the competition is not there like the single family home. So that gives you a competitive advantage just because there's less people going for that business. Okay, so highly consider going after the vacant land parcels within your, your neighborhoods or your cities that you're working and some of the outskirts. I think you've got to cast a bigger net out there and expand your reach. And what I mean by that is with your sphere of influence, your past clients, you've got to market to them or have communication with them that is vitally important to them and tell them that you work different markets. You have associates in different markets in case they need somebody in a different state, that you have that as a resource. And if they don't know, you're not gonna get that business. You're not gonna get that opportunity to refer that business out, okay? So I think the 
um, business for agent to agent referrals. Um, I'll sell probably five or six homes uh, this year from agent to agent referral. And that's for the listing side and the buy side. We just closed one yesterday in Phoenix um, for the buy side from agents that I met at conferences. And so I try to stay in touch with all of them as best I can through Facebook and social media and stuff, um, and then email drips. But I think that's another way to gain listings that if you're the only one that that seller is interviewing because it was a referral from another trusted agent, then you're not going to have as much competition or maybe no competition. Okay. So that's another way to figure out how to pull listings in through agent to agent referrals and sending them out. But those communication points have to be marketed. They have to be um, told to uh, your sphere of influence that you can handle things in different markets. So I, I'm known as all of Arizona in, in, uh, for all the agent agents out there. If they have an agent uh, Arizona business, they call me. And I don't have a team in Tucson. I don't have a team in Flagstaff, but I have really good friends that are great agents there. So that's an extension of my team. So I refer those people when I get those different cities that I'm not part of. If it's in the whole Phoenix metropolitan, of course, I'm going to handle that. My team will. And that gives me an advantage to um, handle a larger area than I'm accustomed to, okay, because of the team, because of other agents. So, but if the agents don't know or your sphere of influence don't know that you can handle all of California, because there's some California people on, on here, um, then how are they going to refer you that business or even have that conversation? So people are inheriting, I'm gonna go back to inheriting property. They're inheriting a ton of money over the next 10, maybe 12 years. All the baby boomers are, are basically gonna have a ton of money to spend. They're going to spend this money on real estate. It's the safest place to put their money. And being that person is vitally important um, to receive those phone calls. Um, I think the, the pre-foreclosures um, and the foreclosures that they're, they're not huge right now. It's probably less than 1% or right about the 1% mark. And that's average. Um, we're starting to see some of those come out. I know Jesse just got one about a month ago, a uh, million dollar listing in, in uh, uh, San Diego from a friend of ours in um, Texas that's an asset manager. And so I've got other friends that are getting some listings here and there uh, from foreclosures because the foreclosure ban has lifted. And um, looking at some of the pre-foreclosures online, if you want to go to Foreclosure Radar or there's a couple other services out there for pre-foreclosures, then as soon as that ban um, lifted, that allowed the banks um, to start the foreclosure process. That's why you're seeing pre-foreclosures pop up. Now, it doesn't mean they're actually going to go to foreclosure. It just means that that's an opportunity that they're silently raising their hand. They don't want to raise their hand. But the data shows that you guys can start prospecting some of those pre-foreclosures. And most of them will sell. If the statistics for the last 10 years, if they go past 60 day uh, NOD, right? Then they're going to sell that property. It's just a matter of time. They might be in a loan mod, but eventually they're gonna sell that property. So that's part of the business that's going to come back in a small way, not a big way. I think in four or five years, it may come back in a big way, depending on what goes on. We've got a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace 
because of the war, because of, you know, overseas, if we're going to get dragged into that war because of interest rates rising up and the people that are in loan modifications, the people that are in arm loans, which they're not as popular as they once were, but there are people in those. And so some of those things are going to force sales. Okay. If the depreciation on some of this property on investment properties, if they can't depreciate that real estate anymore, and it's not cash flowing the way that they want, those rental properties, those investment properties will be sold in 1031 exchange into another piece of property also. So um, let's see here. I wrote down divorce sales. Anybody prospecting divorce attorneys right now? I think that's a good way to start getting two or three listings a year, um, start prospecting a divorce attorneys, building those relationships. Because divorce rate's still above 50%, it's like 51% or something like that, last time I looked. Uh, it could be higher. And if there's financial problems, it's gonna go higher. Typically that's, that's what happens, is there's a financial problem. So 20% of all the divorces, they sell that first year. So that gives you the stats. So if there's 10, if there's 10 divorce filings in your city, you know, two of those will sell. Now, how do you position yourself? You can go direct, right? Start mailing to that house. Try, try to door knock. Don't tell them that you, they came up on a list. They'll get really ticked about that, 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 you know, you have to kind of do it silently. But if you start if you try to figure out who the divorce attorneys are in the area, that might position you for those listings. So I would I would hit them direct with mail and just as a regular you know advertisement that you're a listing agent in the area. And then I would also try to prospect every single um, divorce attorney in the area and and try to acquire listings that way. Um, anybody have any questions on that? Need to take a drink. Craig, you look like you're going to say something. No, soaking it in, buddy. Soaking it, <laughs> soaking in. it in. All right. Um, so let's see here. We talked a little bit about um, wholesalers. You know, I think that's inventory for you guys. If you can, you can acquire that, your sphere of influence, you've got to start marketing them and being the expert because I think a lot of people are not. I'm going to refocus on that because the ads are not going out. Your mail's not going out to them. And your database is probably not all put together. I think if I was going to really try to focus on getting listings, my uh, marketing material would be on point, um, professional, and I would be sending almost a pre-listing packet to um, my clientele so they could see me in a professional light not just seeing you on Facebook or Instagram or whatever you do on social media. I think that's really important. Um, one of the, the programs that I'm using, I know they've been on um, um, Agent Power Huddle before, and I wanna try to do a share screen if I could, um, is Street Text. Um, is anybody here using Street Text? Okay, um, Street Text is a program that I've been utilizing. And let me try to find it. There we go. Street Text is a program that I'm using to generate Facebook ads and to try to get leads coming into my, my system. I'm gonna move this over here. Okay, so can you guys see my screen? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. So I'm running ads in San Diego and in the Phoenix marketplace. And right here, my cost per click, okay, is pretty inexpensive. It used to be way less, but Facebook changed their algorithm. And so now we're paying a lot more for um, the same marketing. But this is my cost per lead in San Diego over here on the left, 113 almost $114 per lead, which is super high. I used to get six, $7 a lead, right? So this is more impressions and more money on the lead, but my average price points, 800,000, okay, in San Diego. All right, so if I'm looking here at Phoenix, let's go into this market here, and I'm spending $12 a day, my average cost per lead is $91, it's a little bit less, but I still need to get that down to the 20 to 30 mark. I don't know how to do that other than just keep marketing and try to figure out if Facebook's gonna change. Um, oh, let me go down here. Sorry, that was that was uh, San Diego up there. Um, if Facebook's gonna change their algorithm. So here, hold on a minute, I'm at $52 a lead. Still a little bit high. Um, I've got some engagement, six people engagement. I've got with a thumbs up, I've got eight different um, comments on this ad. My lifetime cost per click, $5.76. Now this is interruptive marketing through Facebook. So they're not necessarily searching for a house. They're searching through you know social media or whatever for whatever they want to entertain themselves with, but then they're clicking on it. So it's a pattern interrupt and then I'm trying to capture their information. Luckily, this, uh, let me try to move this. I don't know how to move that. Um, luckily, this is basically um, bringing in some really good contact information in the Phoenix area, um, where I think we're getting over this, this last campaign, we're in touch with two sellers and the rest are just people we've got to follow up with. Um, but those are real numbers. So if you're gonna if you're gonna plan to get listings and you're gonna market on Facebook, I would suggest this is a great platform to do so. Um, you can use KV Core. I do use KV Core as well. I use Ylopo as well. But this one I'm kind of liking because the contact information is coming through where we could actually communicate with the uh, sellers that need our help. Anybody have any questions on this? Nope. All right. So I'm done sharing the screen. Let's see here. Oh. Okay. Um, so a lot of this stuff has been recapped for a lot of you. Some of it is probably new, but I think there's some advantages um, going after um, the, the divorce um, attorneys. I think that's a big advantage that a lot of people are not going after. I think the land is probably a huge advantage for everybody in this marketplace um, because I, I'm almost certain nobody here is prospecting land, um, vacant land. And those people will list, they do wanna sell the vacant land. They haven't done anything with the property for years and years and years anyway. So it's time to bring you on as that listing agent and match that with a custom home builder, with a developer, something like that. And I can give you some other ideas on where to find those. There's real estate investment clubs all over the place. Um, the wholesalers will even um, try to acquire the land and send it out to their databases. And you can leverage their database when you get that listing, if, if it's priced fairly good. Um, there's different ways you can market um, vacant land. I think that's huge. 
but underutilization of everybody's database is also what I think most agents have to start getting better at is the message. And because you've got the relationship, you've got to control the relationship and um, be their expert advisor, be the real estate agent that they need and the resource for everything about real estate. And that's going to position you to get those referrals and make sure that they know you are nationwide because that is going to bring more dollars into your pocket, um, sending out referrals to other people. All right, I'll open this up for questions. We got like a minute left. No questions. That's awesome. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, well, let's see here. Um, I got probably 30 seconds left. Let's see if I can fill that time. Um, <clears throat> oh, someone came on camera. <laughs> All right. I think everybody has got enough information today. And that's it. Let's close out Agent Power Huddle. It's 8.30. Thank you guys for your time today. Thanks for jumping on. Hopefully it's been educational and uh, keep going. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.